As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome, everybody, to Max and Sam on the Until Saturday podcast feed. I am your host, Sam Kahn, senior college football writer at The Athletic. Joined, as always, by my great friend, Max Olson, National College Football Reporter at The Athletic. Max was on the DL for a week. I am glad to be back here with you. What did I miss while I was gone, sir? Sam, the you know, the episode description last week said you were out with an illness, which I, I hope our <laughs> listeners didn't think was was severe. Um, I Can you just clear up for our loyal listeners, like, did you go to the State Fair of Texas and eat something that then completely <laughs> shut you down? I mean, after we, we had that whole conversation about all the wild foods there, and then you just disappear for a week. I what did. Happened? I did. I did not. It was not from the State Fair because I only I actually only had time to do the, the Fletcher's Corny Dog for breakfast before the game. So I didn't get to uh-huh. do any of the special stuff because I ended up taking a flight home after the game. So as soon as we finished post-game and I filed my story, Wait. I went straight Wait, to the airport. You, you got none of the foods we talked about? I got none of the foods we talked about. I oh, apologize. Sam. I'm very sad to disappoint you. But in retrospect, that was a good call because my three-year-old oh. had a stomach bug that he gave to me and his older brother. And so I was down for the count last week. Uh, lost about okay. five pounds. I won't go into the gory details, but I lost about five pounds okay. in about a span of oh, 48 hours. Love to lose uh, five pounds in 48 hours. Sounds great. Keep going. <laughs> it, was not, it was not healthy the way that went down. <laughs> uh, and so I was without any, any energy last week, but I am recovered fully back off the DL, 100%. Energy's back, ready to rock. Uh, but yeah, no, it wasn't, I, it wasn't I just, uh, I just state wondered, fair induced. Like, I wondered if you just like had a you know a, a pickle covered in fruity pebbles and it just <laughs> sent you to a really bad place. I did not. Richard Johnson did do that one though. He said it was pretty. I good. I saw that. He he did yeah. the fruity pep fruity pebbles pickle, and so uh, I did not get to try the banana bourbon caramel soba pias that I so badly wanted to. I was really close mm. to getting it in the morning though, but I had already gotten the corny dog, and I thought if I do this before the game, I'm going to be useless at kickoff. And so it was just, I had to make a strategic call there. So I got my corny dog with my oh. mustard and did that for breakfast. And then the rest of it was, hey, got to focus on the game and get ready. And then I, and then I ended up having to get back home. So, uh, so I, I'm sad to report that I didn't get to do all the special stuff that we drafted, 
but hey, that's what next year is for. So we'll 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 do it next year and hey, uh, you know, it it's good to have you back. Hopefully, we can both be there next year. But uh, yes, I know you were going through it, so it's good to see you, buddy. Yeah, no, glad to be here. We got a great show today. We have Matt Brown, senior editor for College Football The Athletic. He's going to come on and talk Ohio State, Penn State with us. We're going to talk about the Athletics' midseason All-America team, which is coming out later this week on The Athletics, so keep on the lookout for that. And later in the show, Max and I are going to hand out some midseason awards of our own. It's it's that time. We're at about the midway point for everybody, so we're going to hand out some own, some of our own midseason awards. And, and, and before we do all that, we're going to talk about, I know, one of Max's favorite topics, Texas A&M. Uh, as always, be sure to follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. Be sure to drop us a five-star review. If you leave a question with your review, we'll answer it on the show. Subscribe to Until Saturday on YouTube. Be sure to join us live every Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. Thursday for the picks, Saturday for the reaction, late night, Sunday for the sound off. And the sound off is where you, the listeners, get to put your voice into the show, literally. If you leave a voicemail at 316-462-9852, we'll work to get those voicemails in. You can text that line also, but we prefer the voicemails because they bring the most personality to the show. 316-462-9852. And of course, sign up for the Until Saturday newsletter. You can get your daily fill of college football news right in your inbox. Monday's newsletter, we had some Ohio State, Penn State talk. Cameron T. Robinson, our Ohio State beat writer, had a little bit of a breakdown of Ohio State and a prediction that he offered for the weekend. So uh, be sure to check the description in the show notes. The links to that is there. The links to the YouTube channel is there. All that good stuff is in there. But Max, you want to talk about Texas A&M, don't you? Uh, you know... I think it's I think it's about that time. <laughs> Is it that time? Um, it's about that time. Uh, you wrote a good column on Saturday reacting to A&M's loss to Tennessee um, on the road there in Knoxville. They've lost a few games in a row on the road uh, mm-hmm. at this point, and they're going into the bye week. they got five games left, and Texas A&M is four and three. Um, not as disastrous as last season, but Sam, um, I, think it's, uh, I think it's kind of that moment in the year when it's time to have the conversation, like what what's going on with Texas A&M? Texas A&M's at a crossroads, buddy. It is uh, the mood is not good uh, in Aggieland right now. So the loss to Tennessee, twenty to thirteen, which by the way I know most of the rest of the country was watching Oregon Washington at that point, yes. and good on them because that looked to be a fantastic game. Uh, I was watching also CBS is like really it seems like they're really anti multi-view with YouTube which is very frustrating that's just a comment for yeah 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 I I did that conversation later there was only I believe one multi-view that had A&M Tennessee and yeah Oregon Washington and that was the one I was on but I obviously focused most of my attention on on Texas A&M Tennessee Uh, and I can't say I'm surprised with the way it went which is kind of sad to say when you consider how much talent Texas A&M has. Let's start with the numbers. Eight consecutive road losses after that loss. The last time they Texas A&M won a road game, a true road game, October 16th, 2021 at Missouri. That was two years ago. Oh two full years ago. They have not won on the road since then. They are 0-8 against top 25 opponents on the road in the Jimbo Fisher era. So they have yet to go on the road and beat a ranked opponent since Jimbo has taken over at Texas A&M. And this is the one that really got me is since 2021. You remember you remember when they went 9 and 1 
in 2020, and they finished number four. And Jimbo Fisher stood on the number five, uh, on the number lectern, five, right? Yeah, they're, well, they they were five in the playoff rankings, and they finished number four in the AP poll. Okay, after that's, the that's Orange Bowl win, and okay, Jimbo Fisher went up there and said, "We ain't done yet." Well, since he said we ain't done yet, Texas A&M is 17 and 14 and eight and 12 in SEC play. Ugh. So. This is a team that has been fairly mediocre in the yeah. last two and a half seasons, despite the fact that they have one of the most talented rosters in the country. Right now, if you pull up the 247 Sports Team Talent Composite, they are number four, which number four. which if you've seen them live, which I have, I don't have no quibbles with that because their roster is legitimately talented. The midseason All-American team, which we will talk about later with Matt Brown, there's a few Aggies on that team, and deservedly so, because they have some of the best talent in the country. But yet, they're sitting here four and three, and all that talent, all those receivers, all those running backs, uh, even a, several four-star offensive linemen, generated 306 yards and 20 points against Alabama and 277 yards and 13 points against Tennessee. So, yeah, it's um, it's just not it's just not adding up. Um, and I'm not saying I, I I'm, I'm with you. Like you look at the team talent composite it's a roster that's built on, you know, obviously people remember the number one ranked class, but it's a, it's top 10 classes every year, right? There's not like a lot of excuses in terms of like, Oh, we're just not there yet with what we got. Like they've got a lot. And, uh, you know, next year's recruiting class is, is ranked fourth in the country right now. Um, it's a team, Sam, that, does just it, if you're an Aggie, I just feel like this is. I want to stop short of saying embarrassing, but like it's like it's it seems like a very frustrating team to watch week to week. And I know it's easy you can you can point to a lot of factors. I think if Connor Wigman were not out for the season, um, maybe it's a different conversation around them, right? I mean, I think that there's been an effect there, even though Max Johnson is one of the more overqualified backup quarterbacks in the country, um, and hasn't been horrible, but. Man, it's it's a team that is just like situational football, second half football. Um, and I was looking at some stats too. Like it, it, they're just in a they're just in a strange place right now. And when you look at the schedule, with the assumption that I think anything eight and four or worse is is not going to be well received around there, this schedule is not not looking easy the rest of the way here. No, they have South Carolina. They have the off week this week. They're off this week. Mm-hmm. Then they host South Carolina. They go to Ole Miss. They host Mississippi State, host Abilene Christian, then close out at LSU. So it is not easy. They they historically have not done well against the Mississippi schools, especially years like this one where it's already starting to go off the rails a little bit. Right. So, so you look at that Ole Miss-Mississippi State back-to-back is pretty treacherous to start November. You got LSU on the road, which of course that game is always kind of interesting. And LSU right now is is a top twenty five team, and Jaden Daniels is playing really really good football. Um, South Carolina, I mean, they're interesting as well. So so none of these I think are gimmies except for the Abilene Christian game. You said and you say if anything less than eight and four is not going to be well received, buddy. I don't even think eight and four is going to be well received at this point. Oh no, I think it's got to be nine and three. I think that's yeah. or or nine and four with the bowl game. I think is where you got to get. And 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 the thing is, is I don't know what you do if you're Texas A&M at this point because you owe Jimbo Fisher seventy plus million dollars at this point. 
Uh, yeah. And the 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 thing that has got to be the most frustrating, I think, for AM fans is they have the talent now. There's really no yeah. questions about that. And so you have a coach who can bring in the talent, but on the other hand, struggles to maximize it, or so far has struggled to maximize it. And I'll, I'll give you another stat. 67 games into his A&M tenure, Jimbo Fisher is 43 and 24. You want to know what Kevin Sumlin's record was 67 games into his A&M tenure? 45 and 22. 45 and 22. So 67 games into it, someone that actually was better than Jimbo Fisher by a game. And then Kevin Sumlin was fired at the end of that season. And do we feel like Jimbo Fisher is working with a more talented roster than Kevin Sumlin had in that time? Not, Not even a question. I went back and looked at it. The last five... Recruiting classes in the Sumlin era, average rank, yeah. 11.2. The last five classes Jimbo has signed, average national rank, 6.8. So yeah. it's a pretty sig- more significantly talented roster at this point. And it's just you a know, matter the, of not getting the most of what you got. The thing that, I, the thing that I, I've seen a lot of people point to this too, you go look at some of their second half numbers this year, and it's kind of baffling. Like they're averaging 13.9 points per game. Um, they're actually in the top 10 nationally in second half yards margin, like plus 518, mm-hmm. but only plus 15 in points. Um, they are the third worst power five offense in the second half in terms of EPA, nine touchdowns on 46 drives. They are leading the country with 10 turnovers in the second half this year. Oof. And yet when you watch this team, Sam, this defense is good. It's like, really good. Not, it's really good. Like it's one of those teams where you watch them and you see, and and I, and I'm say beyond it's beyond just like the on paper. Here's the here's all of these blue chips. Like it's a good defense mm-hmm. that is like pretty well run. I would say overall, and you know we, we, I do this the weekly stop rate mm-hmm. update since the Miami game. They're getting stops on 77% of their drives. They'd be 14th in the country since the Miami game. Yeah. And they're fifth in points per drive since then. Wow. So, like, the defense is, like, giving everything, man. And it's – uh, and you look at these last two games, Alabama was very beatable. Tennessee was very beatable, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's got to be the thing that I would imagine that drives people in in uh, College Station and, and, and in Texas crazy is just – Man, these are. It's not like well, we can't match up with Alabama this year. We can't match up. with No, the balls. Like, there was no talent, very little talent differential, if any. No, in that Alabama, it's, it game. comes down to a bunch of little decisions. Mm-hmm. And and as you've written about Sam, a lot of those decisions that you're seeing Jimbo Fisher make, not a lot of trust in the offense, obviously. Um, but there's just there's just every week you're seeing these little things that kind of point the finger to the head coach. And th- and that's my that's my issue is because by by the way the head coach has an offensive grab background, former quarterback himself, won a national championship as an offense coordinator play caller at Florida State, you know, calling the plays for James Winston in 2013. Of course, famously has relinquished those play calling duties to Bobby Petrino, who he hired as offense coordinator this offseason. Does it um, look like it to you? It does. It do- there there are some differences. The 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 offense has had some marked differences and also you don't see Jimbo on the sideline having a stack of papers looking like a CPA trying to do his taxes and get a play call in the play (laughs) calls get in a little quicker so we don't we don't have that issue but the game management issues haven't changed because he's the one still making the game management decisions 
And that's to what to your point, you have a defense that plays at an elite level and an offense that you can't trust to call a timeout with a minute 30 left in the second quarter and go try and get some points before the end of the half, which the last two weeks they've gotten a stop on third down and forced a punt on fourth down with about a minute 30 left and let the opposing team run 40 seconds off the clock because basically Jimbo doesn't trust this offense to go down there and go get points. And he's more concerned about a turnover or something happening, which is understandable considering that they cannot protect the quarterback. And so that is ultimately the heart of this issue is that you have a program that is pretty good defensively now and has gotten a really good defensive unit, and they yep. essentially cannot be trusted to be effective and efficient offensively. One more stat for you here. Carter Carl is my good friend who covers Texas A&M for 247 Sports. In the second half of the last three games combined, A&M has scored only nine points and committed six turnovers. In 18 drives, seven punts, six turnovers, three missed field goals, one safety, one turnover on downs. That is your second half offensive production in the SEC mm. from a team with five-star receivers, four-star offensive linemen, five-star and four-star running backs, talent all over the place. And they can only get nine points in the second half of three SEC games total. Well, Sam, this is uh, this is sort of our midseason show, so I guess let's wrap this with wh- where do you think this is going with a I mean, it just depends on how they finish is ultimately the question is do they are they good enough to justify to the administration that they're going to end up running this thing back another year or is it all going to fall through and fall apart at the end and then they're going to have no choice but to make a change. And so these next five do, weeks are going to be. Do you, super but do you critical. think it's uh, how they play or do you think it's a win total? I think it's both. I think it, I think the the results matter. The results have to matter at this point. But I also do think it's how they play. Uh, and anything less than eight, sir, eight and four. I don't. I think eight and four is still not going to be well received. But yeah, I still think at eight and four, I think that he probably ends up coming back because just because of how much money we're talking, it's it's a lot of money to part with. But anything less than that, I I. I well, it will be interesting to see because the one thing that I think you have to take into account is that next year in 2024, Texas and Oklahoma join the conference and everything changes yes. and, <laughs> and everything changes. <laughs> and I do think there is a dynamic where what Texas does on the field matters. If Texas gets to the playoff or Texas wins the big 12, and I think that matters also what happens to recruiting? You mentioned right now they have a top five recruiting class at AM committed. Does that hold? Do you continue? Do you finish with a top five class and sign one? If you can, then maybe if you're the administration, maybe you can justify it. And I'm all speaking this. I'm not speaking this from my opinion. I'm speaking it from what yep. I think would happen. Yep. I think I think the AM and leadership would like to do everything it can to not have to make this decision because of how much money it's going to cost. Agreed. But um, but at some point, Sam, what if what what if Texas and Oklahoma so. both go eleven and one? They're coming <laughs> in the league. I mean, that's on the table here. It, I mean, you know? it is it is on the table, and then they play each other again in the Big Twelve championship game. No, um, I just mean like if, if you're looking over the fence here, yeah, you're not you're not excited about that. Um, and the reason I I, the reason point. I say that is because again, when Mac Brown started rising at Texas early in his tenure, R.C. Slocum got let go. When when Kevin Sumlin started rising at Texas A&M, Mac Brown got pushed out of Texas. 
You know how these yep. things go. The 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 yep. yin and the yang between these two programs and the balance of power in the state, it matters. And so I'll be really curious to watch. I have no idea what's going to happen, but I know they got to play a lot better than they have the last few weeks. Because the, And the other thing is, is because they recruited the number, number one recruiting class in 2022, and a lot of that talent is still right there on that roster right now. There is a window of opportunity for A&M to win something yeah. meaningful. And every performance like the one they had against Saturday against Tennessee makes that window of opportunity a little bit smaller. And and it's a it's a window you have to take advantage of your A and M. I agree with you, and I think last thing on that is if you if the argument is this is a very talented roster, and we have a chance to run it back and and compete for an SEC title next year, the question obviously is can you get everybody to come back next year? Mm-hmm. Right. I yep. mean, we saw the attrition they had last December. Certainly, there's there's uh you know there's sharks circling. I'm sure their recruiting class right now going after these guys. Well, they're down a little bit. So it's can you sign a great class and can you can you retain um, with, with with these players, especially from that number one ranked class? Get them to come back. Probably going to be expensive, but mm-hmm. you know, can you get everybody to kind of come back for next year too? Because it's not you know it, we, they're just different dynamics nowadays with this stuff, and we saw it last offseason with A and M. So yeah, it's a uh, very the I I. Part of the reason I want to bring up Sam is because I just think they're going to be one of the most interesting teams to watch the rest of the way. I think we started the season saying that, and here we are midseason, yep. and I think it's still, here we are. It We're still back. holds true. It yep. still holds 100%. true. So uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's talk a little bit Ohio State, Penn State, midseason All-American, AP Top 25 with our guest. Welcoming in a special guest to Max and Sam, we bring in Matt Brown, Senior Editor for College Football at The Athletic. Matt is a Penn State alumnus, so we're going to talk a little bit about Ohio State, Penn State. Uh, top 25 voter, does the, if you ever see the behind the AP Top 25 belt on Sundays on The Athletic, Matt is the one who pins that each week, and if you want to yell at somebody about their AP vote, he's the guy to do it over here on this staff. And, of course, he also assembles the preseason, midseason, and postseason All-America teams for The Athletic. We'll talk about the midseason one with him, which is coming up this week on TheAthletic.com. But, Matt, how are you today, sir? Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited to make everybody mad and talk about votes and (laughs) All-Americans, and nobody ever has opinions about that, so... (laughs) <laughs> never never now, matt, ever matt did you hear that ohio state penn state is this week also has this yeah, been that, circled that, on the calendar day, yeah, in state college yeah uh, after a couple <laughs> weeks of an off week and then umass 
uh, it's nice to finally have like, you know, we have these, the series of three big 10 East games where everybody's in the top 10 right now, every other week for the rest of the season. Like it doesn't feel like there's been that many huge games yet this year, obviously red river and, and Oregon, Washington and Alabama, Texas, they were all big games and great games, but we haven't had like huge upsets or like a huge number of like these big kind of showdowns. So it's, it's exciting to finally get there. Yeah, it's a it's a big one. Uh, let's start with this game, uh, Matt. What do you, what does this game and this opportunity mean to the Penn State program, to the fan base, just to the mood of everything around this place? I mean, the thing is, like Michigan's won the Big Ten the last two years, but Penn State still kind of measured itself against Ohio State. Like mm-hmm. you know, Michigan has dominated them a couple of times, but you know they've gone back and forth. Penn State's also blown out Michigan a couple of times and, and won against Michigan. Ohio State's different. I mean, it's. One and eight under James Franklin. They the only game they won is twenty sixteen, but nobody's played them more consistently closer than Penn State. You know, even going back Franklin's first year, twenty fourteen, I was at that game. Went double overtime when Ohio State went on to win the national title. Penn State was still coming off of sanctions. You know, wasn't very good that year. Um, twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen were one point games. You know, twenty nineteen Penn State uh, could have won that game. You know, last year they Penn State was ahead in the fourth quarter. So it's the game that they've regularly come close, but just for whatever reason, an injury and they fall apart or, you know, JT Barrett completes like 50 passes in a row in the fourth quarter or whatever it is, something always goes wrong. And Ohio State just seems to have more depth, more overall talent. And Penn State can't quite get over the hump. I mean, they were so close to doing it those couple of years and having it going on a run there. So, you know, it's like the roster that they built has been more built to try to beat Ohio State than to beat Michigan. We saw that problematically last year when Michigan just out-physicaled them, beat them at the line of scrimmage. Uh, but, you know, they're kind of a faster type of team trying to build around athletes. And um, so that, that's the thing. It's like, all right, the Michigan game is down the road. It depends. Ohio State's first. And if you can win on the road in Columbus, you feel a lot better have, having a chance to win at home against Michigan. Yeah, Matt, last year's game, I'm pulled up the box score here. End of the third quarter, it is Ohio State 16, Penn State 14. Final score, 44-31. It's a weird game. And Marvin Harrison Jr. went off and JTT went off for Ohio State. Like He went completely. That, I mean, you know, Penn State was in that ball game. It just things unraveled as they tend to do. Yeah, it was the craziest fourth quarter to watch. Is there, do you feel like there is sort of a, a psyche aspect to that of like, here we go again a little bit when they get in these games, like home or away? I mean, do, do, do you think that that – is if if Penn State can pull this off this week, and I think they can. I, I don't. I don't. I'm not sitting here thinking they can't. But like, what would that just like kind of do mentally for this team and this fan base to like finally get over on them? Well, it's like James Franklin almost put a curse on them. Like, I'm sorry to say, but like you know, after the 2018 game, uh, he gave the infamous quote saying, "We're a great program. We're not yet elite," or something along those lines. And like that just stuck to him because. And it's stuck to them since then because they just can't get over the hump against Ohio State and really against Michigan. They, again, they beat Michigan a few times, but uh, Michigan's physically dominated them here recently. So, like, that quote, I think, has kind of represented where the program's been. It's like they're really generally good outside of, you know, the twenty the 2020 just weird year. In 2021, they collapsed late. But overall, I mean, it's been a pretty good era of Penn State football. They're just – they haven't made the playoff and – you know, they've only won the Big Ten once, and that was by surprise. When they've had the high expectations, they haven't quite been able to do it and get over that hump. So 
Uh, yeah, it, beating Ohio State on the road, which they haven't done since 2011, which was the weird year right after the Jerry Sandusky scandal and mm. when Ohio State was in the interim season under Luke Fickles. It was a weird game. That's, that's the only yeah. time they beat him. The last time they won a like, big game in Columbus was 2008 um, Ooh, when wow. Penn State lost one game in the regular season and they went and won 13 to thirteen to 6, I believe, in a very paterno trestle game that I think we could kind of see a repeat of in some capacity this week. Now, Matt, you have Ohio State at number six on your AP ballot. That's that's probably about. I mean, it, they're they're a tough one to rank because it's like, do you want to put a lot of stock into the Notre Dame game, which could have gone either way? But obviously, Notre Dame bounced back in a pretty significant way this weekend. Um, so it's like in 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 that sort of three to six range, they're kind of hard to place. Do you? What's your take on Ohio State at this point in the year? And do you feel like this is like kind of the year to get them if you're Penn State? Yeah, it's kind of weird. Like, I mean, people have probably been calling me out for it in the comments for like being inconsistent in my voting, but like I'd call it being flexible. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. one through seven now are, I don't know, one through 10 almost have been pretty even in some regards. So, like, you could, I think the gap between like one and seven is way closer than it usually is. Yeah. That's what we mean by And there's par- just not like here. an agreed upon consensus yeah. to this. I don't, so, think, you know, Ohio State, I have sixth, but like, you know, can you convince me that they could win the national title? Yeah. Could you convince me that they're going to go, they're going to lose two games? They're going to lose to both Penn State and Michigan? Yeah, easily. Like, uh, it's not been a, you know, completely dominant Ohio State team now. Like, their defense is better than it was last year. They're number one in the country right now in explosive play rate on defense, which, according to true media, which is plays of 12 or rushes of 12 plus yards, receptions of 16 plus yards. And that was the big thing that people knocked them for last year. So they're obviously better in the secondary. Denzel Burke's been a mid season, all American. Um, he got banged up Saturday. So we'll see what his status is, but like, and, and even though, you know, their, their pass rush hasn't really got home as much as they'd like, they're still really dangerous up front. So their defense has been good. And mm-hmm. we know that they have unbelievable skill talent. Marvin Harrison jr. Has been fantastic. Uh, there's been some injury problems. I assume Trayvon Henderson will be back Saturday against Penn State, but they've you know been banged up at running back. But you know, biggest weakness there is offensive line, and they lost guys in the NFL last year. Run blocking, they're just not hitting many explosive plays. Uh, so that that's been kind of a problem. I think if Penn, you know you can get pressure on Kyle McCord, and nobody can get pressure literally like Penn State, which leads the country in pressure rate. Um, so that's the biggest area where I think shockingly in a big 10 game, you're going to see a lot to set up the line of scrimmage because few teams can match up with Ohio state's receivers like Penn state can led by Caitlin King. I know Harrison went off last year and he can go off against anybody, but you know, in terms of the pressure Penn state can bring and the coverage that they can provide a corner, uh, it's like the biggest area to get Ohio state is with the offensive line. And this will be one of the the biggest tests so far, you know, Notre Dame contestant, but Penn State's defense has been absolutely lights out so far. Matt, I want to pull back a little bit and kind of hit on something you just said there that the separation between one and seven being so small. How hard is it to as you do your AP ballot to pick the number one team right now? Because you obviously have Georgia still sitting there from in the poll. You had Washington at number one, but yeah. you have a defending champ, two time champ that still hasn't lost a game, but you have a Washington team that has obviously one of the best wins of the season against Oregon. And you have all these other teams, you know, Michigan who's been dominant. How, how difficult is it to suss through and figure out who the number one team is right now? 
And, and we've got the Brock Bowers news this morning. Too. Yeah. Brock Bowers out four to six weeks, which is significant. I mean, that it's, I've wrestled with it all year. It's like, well, Georgia, you know, I went in the year thinking Georgia's not going to win the national title just because winning three in a row is almost impossible. That's why nobody's done it since the 30s. But I wrote it in number one because, all right, we still know that they're as talented as anybody. There's not a clear and obvious other choice. Or maybe you can make that argument for Michigan before the year. But and then you go into the year and it's like, well, they're winning all their games mostly in blowout fashion. But, like, there's just something that's been missing. And, you know, they easily could have lost to Auburn, who's not very good this year. They sleepwalked through Vanderbilt. It's kind of like they sleptwalked through most of the games outside of Kentucky. So what do you do with them? But, like, has anybody else, like, truly gone out and gotten it? Um, I voted for Texas two, three weeks ago before before the Oklahoma game, and they, of course, immediately lose the game <laughs> that they could have won. And I put Georgia back to number one because, well, all right, they finally blew out a, a pretty good team at Kentucky. And then Kentucky, of course, goes and loses to Missouri pretty convincingly. Mm. It's like, well, how much does that yep. mean? I don't know. Like That's what, right. that's just what we're kind of wrestling with all year. So then a few weeks ago, I put – I think it was the end of September, I put Washington number two. It's like, well, they're playing like – they just – it's like the eye test. They look like they're playing as well as anybody, but they also haven't played anybody. Michigan state's terrible this year. Boise state's not the Boise state old. Like, so the resume is not there. So it's like waiting for them to go out and get a statement win, which it's not like they, obviously they didn't dominate Oregon, but that's a really good Oregon team. I think a legit top 10 Oregon team and they won the game. And so I think their offense has been the best in the country. And I think, you know, they have a better win certainly than Georgia has, and they've been as consistently dominant, if not more so than Georgia. So uh, why not? So I, I think, again, the separation is really small. It's I, I, I'm picking Michigan still to win the national title, but I can't justify given what their schedule has been them at number one. So, you know, some people have had Florida State there. I, I don't quite buy it. I don't think they're that good. You know, you can make a case for Oklahoma after beating Texas, but so it's Matt, it's, Matt, I was just looking at the ESPN FBI, their, their resume stuff that they do. And you can quibble over whether you like it or not. Who do you think one and two are in uh, strength of resume? I think it was Oklahoma because I looked this up. Am I right? <laughs> Oklahoma one, Florida State two. Wow. So, like, maybe maybe that's how we should be talking about this. Florida I don't State beat LSU convincingly and LSU, we'll see yeah. where they end up. And you know, the, what, the, the win at Clemson is still a really good win. Like They won at Clemson. Yes. Like, we shouldn't like – just because it was close – Although it did depend on the kicker, like so you can quibble mm-hmm. over there, but still they won yeah. the game. You should get credit. For I should that. say strength of record, not strength of resume. But yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it, it has to be. I, I'm not an AP voter, never have been, but it has to be. Confusing I wouldn't want to be. And I, <laughs> and I don't know. Are, do you feel like you're a voter that generally you, you just do whatever you want, or do you feel like like do you are you okay with going against maybe the 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 stream on that a little bit on some of these because clearly I, I was like one of two one of people to vote for Washington and they're fifth so <laughs> only two wow yeah I thought it's surprising it's that. only two yeah. I I would think so too but it has to be like we're at a point in the season where yeah it is tempting to look at this and be like am I just missing something here like is is are there like two other teams that are like third and fifth right now that are the best teams in the country I'll put you like, guys it on just the spot. feels who, way who would you rank number one right now. I think I'd go with you. I think I'd go with Washington because they have been to me the most dominant team against their schedule, and they also have the top ten win on their, or at least that's top how 10 I justify it. Yeah, because yeah. because at Still some point, 10, yeah. at some point, 
what you do on the field has to matter. It can't. We well, can't be baked mid, into preseason's gone. Like, yeah, preseason expectations are like, out the window. And Georgia, I understand those who want to say that Georgia deserves to be number one because they're the reigning back-to-back champs and they haven't lost. But like you said, their performance has been very uneven to this point. And I mean, the Kentucky win was really nice, but it doesn't measure up to me to Washington's win yeah. over Oregon or even to Oklahoma's win against Texas. So if you want to put Oklahoma number one or if you want to put Washington number one, I have I have really no beef for that. If you want to put Michigan number one, I think I'm okay with it. But I, to me, the schedule is just so bad because Michigan has yeah. probably played the best ball of anybody consistently, but they haven't been tested to this point, and that's that's really they hard look to, really to good. With. I, I saw them when they came to Lincoln here. That that I mean, it's a complete team. Like yeah, they're, that's the thing. I think they're the most complete team there is. With given the proven play at quarterback, you know, we their, their line play. You know, we know their running game can be really good, even if it hasn't. Donovan Edwards been yeah. very quiet so far, but still, like I, I think they're the most complete team. Yeah, I think I would have Florida State, or I would have, or I would have Washington. I, I'm not. I don't get as mad about the, some of the close calls Florida State's had because they have the strength of the the best wins. But I don't know, man. It's it's <laughs> tough. It's, it's tough. It's really tough. Well, you have to like kind of pick one thing you live by and stick with it with this stuff. You well, know? the weird and the weird thing like this year so far, like I wrote about it, like there's been one win by an unranked team over a top ten team at the time of the game. That was Labor Day, Duke over Clemson. Mm-hmm. So there's just been no chaos. Like so, in some sense, there's a lot of parity because again, the top eight or nine, whatever you want to say seem really even on the other sense like there's just been like no upsets so yeah. there's like no parity in that regard and you figure there's gonna be bigger games coming up and there's got to be like one of those chaos weekends coming up which will make it in some respects easier to rank teams because some of these teams are just gonna somebody's gonna georgia will lose to missouri or something or whatever penn state will lose to maryland i don't know like somebody will start suffering some unexpected losses because like so far it's been a I want to say it's been a dull season. There's been some really good games, but it's there's a, everything's still left to be decided for sure. Well, and you're right, and and those will be teams will be judged way too harshly off those because there's just not very many of them going on right now. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So before we move on to the midseason All American part, one last thing I wanted to say was the national champ. I think we all agree right now that we just said it. Michigan is probably playing the best ball and is the most complete team. But how do you feel about where we sit and, and what team has the best chance to, to emerge from that pack uh, come the end of this thing? I, or am I going to see in Houston in, in January, on January 8th? So <laughs> I said I have this thing, saying. like, in, in the preseason every year, I'd say, like, based on the numbers, based on the averages, like, the best playoff prediction is two teams from the top four in the preseason. One from like five to nine, and then one wildcard team that's ranked tenth or worse. Like on average, that's like kind of how the playoff nets out from the preseason poll. So I was I said before the year it'd be Mich- Georgia, Michigan, USC, and Texas. I still think Texas could get there because you know if they run the table, beat Oklahoma, probably gonna be there. But I switched it to this week: Georgia, Michigan, uh, Florida State, and Washington. That's kind of almost chalky based on the way the schedule sets up the rest of the year, but. That's kind of who I'm going with, and I I did pick Michigan before the year, so I'm going to ride that. But I assume mm. since we're all saying it right now, it's going to be wrong because that's the same. <laughs> <goes>, so. <laughs> they will be tested a couple times. They they, they will. So uh, let's talk midseason All American. Uh, 
Max, I think you had you had some questions for for Matt to grill him about this midseason all yeah, team that he gave us. Please explain yourself. <laughs> explain yourself. Answer for everything that this committee is. No, um, this is coming out uh, Wednesday on the Athletic. Um, so let's give people a little preview here. Um, uh, it was it was fun kind of going through this. There's a bunch of names that are that are obvious when I was sending in nominations, and then there's just a bunch of tough decisions. One that um, the conversation I feel like is probably a little bit different today than it was a week ago. Where did you guys come out on uh, on quarterback, first team and second team here? And first, just to lay out to everybody how we picked this, we ended up soliciting nominations from across the athletics writing staff, so we got a wide variety of voices in, and then three of us editors make the official calls. Well, that's kind of a panel we debate it, so it's kind of a group effort to narrow it down and, and make the picks. And you know, quarterback it became I, I thought it was almost obvious before this year and the, before this week, and then. We saw what happened Saturday when Michael Penix leads Washington to, you know, with the as clutch a drive as you can get at the end of that game, and and has led the best offense this year. So he's kind of the clear choice for number one for the mm-hmm. first team. Um, hard to argue but with. What there. about the other one? The what other about one? the other one? It was Caleb <laughs> yeah. Williams because he was brilliant, and you know, and you know, had a case for first team. But you know, to throw three interceptions in the sec in the first half of a blowout loss to Notre Dame, which is really the only marquee opponent they played so far. Like his numbers are still fantastic. He's still going to have amazing numbers this year, but I, it was, you know, he was a big reason they lost. Like it wasn't like, Oh, the defense was the problem. Caleb Williams right. had three turnovers in the first half. Um, and that so wrecked him. Yep, I'm not saying absolutely. he's a bad player. I'm not saying he's not going to end up there in the end of the year, but for right now, we went with Jaden Daniels from LSU, which again, I know they have two losses, mm. but is, you know, look, look, was he wasn't to blame against Ole Miss, that's for sure. He threw for 414 yards, four touchdowns. Um, so, you know, Jaden Daniels, look at his numbers 73% completion rate, almost 2,300 yards, 22 TDs, three interceptions, and also 86 carries, 515 yards, four touchdowns, leads the country in total offense at 401 yards per game. Uh, has 26 total touchdowns, only three interceptions. Uh, LSU's offense is moving the ball a ton. He won out. It's a deep group. You, you know, Bo Nix is there, obviously, too. Drake May, great draft prospect, having a great year. Caleb Williams is still there. But we didn't have much of a debate, honestly. I thought Daniels is the clear choice right now, and partially just given what happened last Saturday. I'm with you on that. I And the, I mentioned this to you yesterday, but – the, the sneaky stat with Jaden Daniels, and it was, this was the case last year too, you take out the sacks, which that's how the NFL does it in terms of rushing yards for quarterbacks, right? Take out the sacks. He's got over 600 rushing yards. He's number two among uh, FBS quarterbacks in rushing this year too. So, and, and if you've watched this LSU team, they've got some blue chip players, but they need all the rushing yards they can get from Jaden Daniels to keep the ball moving. And so um, I feel like if, you, if you're holding a, a, a Jaden Daniels – Heisman ticket, yeah, the two losses have hurt you, but I think I think that guy has a really good chance to end up in New York at this point. They're a weird team because it's you know how how do they finish? Because you could lose to Alabama or Texas A and M or even Florida, but you, if you were on the yep. table and beat Alabama and have a big game there, like and win the SEC West, you got a chance against Georgia then. So right. definitely can't rule that out as not a long shot because he's right in the mix. But like you know, with two losses, you do normally kind of eliminate a quarterback. But given the way their offense is playing, you just they could go eight and four. They could go uh, eleven the, the and two. The road in front of them with those teams you mentioned, and if you went out and you can, 
find a way to win in Atlanta. That would probably be, wouldn't that be Matt, the probably the best resume for a two loss team we've probably had in the playoff era. Like in terms of you have a, you have one of your losses is to p- potentially a playoff team. Right. And then you go basically beat the best teams in your conference, lose one to Ole Miss, obviously, but like that would be, I'm not saying they're going to do it, but if they were to, to make this run, he would have it to would be, be up there. I mean, 20, you would have to put him in. I feel 2016 like. Penn State, which beat Ohio State, lost to Michigan. Up there, they got blown out by Michigan, but they won the Big Ten. So it's one of the like, you know, that's one of the teams that people think was a snub because they got they were left out. Ohio State, who they beat, was in. Correct. But thing is, though, I'm going to say that one of my my bold prediction that was on the record before the year was that the winner of Florida State LSU would make the playoff, and the loser would finish unranked. So I'm sticking with it. LSU's going to win. Wow. And Florida State's going to win. Interesting. And that and that's the thing with LSU's defense. I could I, I could see this. Could. You know, it could still. Well, if, if you told I, me they're eight and four, I'd be like, yeah, makes sense. You know, I feel like weird things have happened in Texas A and M LSU games. So like, any, who yeah. knows? So who just knows a there, few so. times. And, L- and, literally, and like, change the rules too. because of that game. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if a shoe's thrown against Florida, like, who knows? Like, yeah. <laughs> Oh, it gets crazy down at LSU. Last one before we get you out. Uh, of the debate, as you guys debated all of our nominations, just what were some of the toughest debates? What Who were some of the ones that stood out? Maybe guys that surprised you. Well, maybe who were some of the tough snubs? What What are some of the conversations that kind of stick with you after after you guys sussed through all this? I'll go with the easy places to go to, which is the other skilled positions. Because one, running back is like really surprising. Because if you look before the year, like the Big Ten was just ridiculously loaded before the year, and it, there's still a lot of talent. But like we're talking, Blake Corum obviously was slam dunk preseason. Mm-hmm. Trayvon Henderson coming back from injury. Uh, Nick Singleton, NK Trunnell at Penn State. Braylon Allen at Wisconsin. Like this group, deep group, but now it's like none of them. Only one of them was even considered, which is Corum, who has a lot of touchdowns, yeah. but his numbers aren't like jumping none of them off have the, the page numbers right now. Yeah, and Singleton hasn't had a run longer than twenty yards, like eighteen yards, which is crazy given how. Well last year went and Henderson's banged up again. Like, so the running back group felt deep going into the year or Quinshawn Judkins was uh, Mm -hmm. first team all American going into the year. He's averaging four yards a carry. Um, so the running back group is like the most surprising and like surprisingly hard to pick. And then like the obvious first team pick was Jonathan Brooks from Texas, which we're talking about a team that lost (laughs) the best running back in the country from last year in Bijan Robinson and a fourth round pick too. And now they still have the best back the best running, running back. back in the country so far. <laughs> like, so that's and who we ended he up leads with. the country in uh, missed tackles forced according to PFF. Like he's having a ridiculous. There you go. And then this other first team pick we have is uh, Ashton Genty from Boise State, which like well Boise State's been kind of bad for a Boise State team, right? But uh, 868 rushing yards, 11 touchdowns, 30 catches for 396 yards. So you can't argue with the Jeez. numbers. Um. So every, every game pretty much, I mean, even the Washington game, 153 yards for scrimmage, uh, UCF 212, San Diego State 254, Colorado They lost to Colorado State on that Hail Mary. He's still 254 yards for scrimmage. So we'll go with the numbers there. And then, uh, yeah, the other one, receiver. Receiver is just so deep, the opposite problem, where we have Marvin Harrison Jr. second team right now. He's the best receiver <laughs> in the country. And his numbers are good, but he also was, you know, limited in the Notre Dame game. Had only two catches in the Indiana game to start the year. 
So it's like, how could we deny Luther Burden from Missouri mm-hmm. and Malik Neighbors from LSU right now? But and then that's also snubbing Roma Dunze from Washington, who's second team. So, yeah, that's. A, I mean, how do you leave him? Out? Spreading the wealth. We have Penix first team. Like, <laughs> but you, you can. You, I think those four guys are the obvious, and we're also snubbing then Troy Franklin from Oregon, who has amazing numbers. So you got five guys really. I think are could easily be first or second team, and I'm sure it'll look different in December when we do this again. Yeah, I think I think the Adunze and Harrison second team is um, probably going to have there, – there may be some people showing up in the comment section. <laughs> and that's fine. They're all good, and they're still all American. And they're probably going to be – they were there in the preseason. I wouldn't be shocked if they're there in the postseason. But yeah, if, you, if for some reason these picks changed after we taped this, no one will blame you, Matt. That's also true. <laughs> uh, Ashton Genty, by the way, 12 points per game by himself he's averaging this season. Wow. Uh, yeah. Twelve points wow, per game. Put Number him on Iowa. In the I mean, probably <laughs> a lot less. But, you know. Hey, Jimbo Fisher could use this guy right now. <laughs> That's true. Uh, uh, Three hundred and seventy-seven yards after contact this year. So, uh, my guy from Frisco, Texas, you're making the case for done. me. Appreciate it. Hey man, hey man, I gotta look out for my Texas high school football guys. But uh, Matt Brown, thank you for joining us today. Appreciate you uh, breaking all this down. Uh, enjoy Penn State, Ohio State this weekend. Guys, fans, be easy on the comments on the All-America team. It's a group effort when we do the midseason All-America. So appreciate you coming on the show and, and taking us all inside it. You got it. I, I'll see everybody in the comments section of my AP poll article every Sunday, too. So my name's on that one. Thanks, guys. Hey, he puts his name on it. Thank you, Matt. That's right. You got it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks again to Matt for joining us. Great, great stuff with him. And now we talked about the midseason All-America team with him, but me and you want to hand out some awards as well. Mm-hmm. So let's do that. Max and Sam midseason awards on the Until Saturday podcast feed. So let's start with the Heisman. And I feel like this one is actually not going to be that difficult to discuss. Max, who's your midseason Heisman winner? No, I just to be clear, Sam, are you going to like a trophy shop after this to <laughs> to get these get little plastic ones made for this? We're sending these out, or well, no? This well, is just I don't I don't know if that's verbal in, awards. I don't know if that's the ex- in the expense budget. So we'll yeah, uh, non binding verbal awards. That's okay, right. All that's right, right. Sounds good. <laughs> um, I think I think Michael Penix, uh, hot take. I think he's he's uh, he probably wins the Heisman if we're doing it today. But Sam, it is not handed out today, so I would say midseason Heisman, Michael Penix. I'm really curious to see who else can can actually hang in that race. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's going to be a runaway thing. I think it could be. It definitely could be. It could be over at this point. <laughs> and like, if you've got if you bet on Penix to win it, you're probably feeling incredible right now. Um, are you going Penix as well? Yeah, I, I Pen- Penix for sure right now at the midseason point. I, I don't think there's been anybody that's played better than him. That offense has been terrific. And and obviously the the Heisman moment was Saturday against Oregon. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I think he's got the the full. It's case. also like he's got the story too, right? Like mm-hmm. you think about it, like last year with Max Duggan finishing second. Like when people can get behind the narrative of your career, 
Um, it matters, you know. Sports writers are suckers for that. Um, that's yep. just that's just how it is. And Michael Penix has got a pretty incredible one. When you think about all the injuries that he mm-hmm. dealt with in Indiana, um, I think that uh, that is going to serve him very well the rest of the way. No doubt. And you look at the schedule, and we talk so much about the Pac-12 in the first half of the season and how it could be really difficult to get through. But I look at their schedule now, and after that USC loss to Notre Dame. The next few weeks for Washington are fairly manageable. Arizona State, Stanford on the road, USC on the road. The Utah game on November 11th looms large. You got Oregon State on the road on the 18th, and you got Wazoo to close it out. So it's not easy. Those are None of those are easy games. Uh, the mm-hmm. Apple Cup, certainly with him and Cam Ward going back and forth, is going to be a lot of fun. But, I, you know, you talk about not being able to run away. He may Maybe I wouldn't rule it out. It, it, maybe he can. I, I It'll be interesting to see how this team kind of handles well, and, the level of success that they've had at this point now. And he also doesn't have like the the Friday night game that the Pac-12 gives them mm-hmm. that like ends up being the screw job where it's like, oh man, how did we blow it with our <laughs> national championship contender? Oh, the short rest. Friday week, game yep. got us again, huh? So yeah. they don't have. I don't None see of any of those on the schedule. Nope. Which is encouraging. Yeah. No. So I'll go with Penix for sure. Okay. So, uh, but but there's a lot of guys out there like you know we mentioned. Uh, I think Jaden Daniels is, is going to be in our straw poll that comes out. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, I think, is in that mix right now at Oklahoma. There's a, there's a lot of other lot of other names out there uh, that are contenders for sure that have had some terrific first halves. Um, what about your coach of the year? Max, who's your coach of the year at the midseason point? I, I, I would imagine everyone is going to circle Kalen DeBoer for that at this point. I think... There's a, I think there's a bunch of guys that are worthy of consideration, mm-hmm. though. Don't you think? Like, I do. I I think Mike Elko, um, is doing a terrific job with Duke. Like I, I feel like he's got to be on the short list. Yep. I would think. I think there's, honestly, this is not maybe probably on a lot of people. I think there's an argument to be made for Mike Norvell when you think about the arc of what they've built there mm-hmm. and, how, and where it started. If they can continue this, they can be, make build a playoff team. Like I feel like he's going to end up being a strong contender in this because it's easy just oh yeah I mean Florida State won these games they're probably a playoff team. It's easy to forget like how much they sucked at, at the beginning of his tenure. Right. No, there's no doubt. Uh, I think I think he has a case. I think Brent Venables has a case. He does. Uh, they're, yeah. they're, they're sitting here at six and zero. People right have now. not forgotten how much Oklahoma sucked. <laughs> <laughs> they did not, but but they look really good. And and I was there at Red River and watched them play. And that defense, the difference from them from year one to year two, night yep. and day. They are yep. fast. They are physical. They they are impressive. I think I think Jim Harbaugh, even though the Michigan hasn't really been tested to this point. The way they've yeah. played, I think he has an argument. Certainly, I'm with you on um, Elko. He just hasn't coached that many games this year, though. So that's, that's that, true. Uh, that's you true. Factor that a little. That's bit, true. That know? he did miss the first few. So there's of that. all of these contenders, he has spent the most time on the couch. That's I, true. I, just, I feel like that's that actually throws that actually throws a monkey wrench into the that whole conversation <laughs> with him. So yeah, a little uh, bit. I keep forgetting about that about him not being there for the first few. But Kalen DeBoer is probably your favorite. It. Yeah, the mm-hmm. Kalen DeBoer is your favorite at this point. But I'm with you on Elko. I think Elko has been terrific. Uh, plenty deserving. Uh, Troy Calhoun at Air Force probably probably deserves yeah. some love at this point. I think Air Force is in the top twenty-five. They're sitting here number twenty-two right now. They They're six and zero. Eli D- Eli Drinkwitz maybe probably deserves a little love at this point with Mizzou sitting here at six and one. Uh, mm-hmm. so so I think he's in the conversation as well. 
so I think you have a lot of uh, you have a lot of good good names here. Uh, Jeff Brom maybe at Louisville's they're six and one. They're they're off to a good start. So I feel like a week ago, yeah, you would have had him definitely in that top three, top five for sure. That pit game was just bizarre. But yeah, you know, Sam, that's why that's why we love the sport. You know, weird stuff happens. Yeah. So your next category is interesting one because I'm going to give you a lot of a lot of okay. crap on this one. What's your next category on the awards list? Okay, so best best game we can just quickly. I mean, would you say it was Oregon Washington? You went to Red River. Do you think Red River was the best game? Mm, Red River was terrific. It was a really strong finish. That it, it's certainly my pick. Red River was okay. a lot of fun. Okay. Um, Oregon Washington. Just Oregon Washington, I think, is that. yeah, you, just you right think, up there. There's, there's plenty to choose from. Sam, uh, what's the best game you did not watch this year? I'm trying to think. There was one game that I went went to bed and woke up and something happened and I can't remember. I did, there is there a game like that for you? <clears throat> yes, I I admitted this on Twitter on Saturday morning. I I did not watch Colorado Stanford. I just I I just shame, did. Shame, shame, shame. Went to bed. I I checked. I pull. I checked it. <laughs> um, it was twenty-two nothing. Uh, Stanford had just gotten stopped on a fourth down on offense. Uh, when I was going to bed, you know, like, we got to stay up late on Saturday night for the Saturday superlatives. So when you can get to bed at like ten thirty on a Friday, mm-hmm. it feels really good. Yep. Uh, for my routine, and uh, you know, Stanford's been really bad this year. So uh, didn't didn't just thought that was over. <laughs> just thought it was over, and uh, that was. That's so that's that is a wild feeling when you wake up and you check your phone. I actually got up at six thirty, and uh, I'm sitting there with my son on my lap. He's watching, uh, um, watching a movie or something, and I'm just I'm just like flipping through. I'm like, oh, 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 they lost, <laughs> and then watching like the twenty minute. I don't know. I, I, we're living in an amazing time now. I, I watched the twenty minute recap of the game on uh, that ESPN put on YouTube. Oh, nice. Um, so I feel like I got to see everything. Yeah. Are you telling me you stayed up for that game? I stayed up, brother. It was hard. That was so hard to do. So I'll get I'll give you the play by play on how this worked out for me. So it's twenty nine nothing, and it's late. And I'm I, I'm like you. I'm thinking, you know what? If this keeps going the way it is going, I think I'm going to go ahead and go to bed early. I jump in the shower. I did not take my phone in the shower like Ari Wasserman does, uh, but I did have my iPod iPad propped. Because I can see through yeah. my glass shower on and the bathroom counter, I can put the iPad there and and keep an eye on it. So I do try to watch college football sometimes in the shower, Ari, but I just don't take my, take my phone in there because I'm not crazy. <laughs> uh, but but uh, then they scored in in the third quarter, and I was like, okay. And then Stanford scored again, and I was like, huh, this could get interesting. And I was and so I went ahead and laid in bed, got in my pajamas, laid in bed. Turn it on the TV, and I was like, "I'm just gonna, I'm gonna keep it on until they we essentially get to a point where we know what the result's gonna be." And it never happened, brother. Stanford kept scoring, they kept getting stops, and things kept going haywire. And next thing you know, we're in overtime. And then by time we're all said and done, it's about 1:30 a.m. Central Time. And brother, I can tell you, I paid for it the next morning. I didn't. I was not feeling it. I, I was texting with David Ubbin, um early that morning because I was just like, "Hey, what happened?" Like, I just <laughs> explain to me what happened here. Um, but you know that. Hey, I, I I give you I give you props for sticking with it. Um, you know that it, it's 
clearly it's the most entertaining team in the history of football. So it um, is. you got to stick with it and just assume that you will be entertained. And uh, I, I, I'd be struggling. I'd be I really was struggling. I was, I was, it was tough. And then the, and I, the night before, by the way, I had been at the game with my opinion, the best finish. I'm going to hand another word here. Best finish yeah. of the year, Houston, West Virginia. I was late up late the night before because I covered you were. the Houston, West Virginia game. And we, which is what, which was also one of the best games of the year. Yes. hundred percent. One of the best games of the year. We had West Virginia down 10 in the fourth quarter, come all the way back and score a 50 yard touchdown with 12 seconds to go. Garrett green takes his helmet off in celebration and gets a 15 yard unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, which allowed Houston to get a squib kick and then take it to midfield pretty quickly. And then they throw a hail Mary and Stefan Johnson catches it from Donovan Smith and Houston saves their season by winning on a hail Mary at the, at, as time expires. It was. Uh, did you did you see Dana saying he had fifty plus people at his house? Yes. Like, did you did you? I, I was did there. You, did I was you try there. to go over, or did you just not find? Could you not find parking? Uh, no, over, no. Over there at the <laughs> party not, afterward, I did not try to go to Dana's <laughs> afterward. Uh, but but I did. I when he said that uh, on Monday morning, I, I was there. I went actually to his, his press conference on Monday mm-hmm. morning. Uh, and yeah, he, he said there were a lot of people and that it was very hard to find parking near his house on that because he had some, uh, former West Virginia players that he had coached, uh, were, had, had attended that game. And he mentioned afterward that they're going to buy me some drinks. He goes, they're okay. They played in the NFL. They can afford it. So, uh, we mm. knew what Dana was doing on Thursday night after that win. <laughs> Man, love, love, love a revenge game. Um, that was, that was, well, I can't, I just can't believe you had the juice on Friday night. I, I, I. Like I said, it was it was a slog. It was it was tough, but it was fun, and yeah. it was fun to watch, and and great great win for Stanford. Uh, and Colorado has been an entertain, entertaining team to watch. They they bring you entertainment, win or lose. So they are okay. Best comeback. Who, who are you giving the award to? Baylor. It's got to be Baylor. Down thirty five seven, middle third quarter to UCF, and reel off twenty nine straight points to win thirty six thirty five. Although also by the way, I think probably. The biggest fool's gold so far because right after that they went out and lost to Texas Tech uh pretty handily at home the the next week. So it it looked like maybe it could be a spark for them to maybe turn some things around and now maybe not. Buddy, we could we could have done the fifteen minute Baylor conversation to start this episode too. You could, uh, you could yes. have just an just as interesting a a dive on that one too. Yeah, no, it's it has been rough in Waco, but they had that one shiny moment they had that I for sure thought I was like, wow, this is this is how this season's going to go, and it's going to end this way. And they reeled off a, a really impressive comeback to come back and beat UCF. Like I said, twenty nine points in the last quarter and a half. So that's got to that's got to be up there for best comeback and of the season. Um, what about most surprising team? Who's our most surprising team? In a good, let's start let's start on the positive side because there's good surprising teams, there's bad surprising teams. Who's your good surprising team so far? I would say I was I would say I'm, I was a little bit more skeptical on Texas, so I probably should like I probably should acknowledge that I didn't think they were like outside the top twenty five bad or anything like mm-hmm. that. But Texas being where they are today is uh, is, is is slightly surprising to me in a positive way. I think again I come I keep coming back to Duke man like Duke is and and I know that Riley Leonard's hurt and that that will affect kind of how much they can compete in these big games coming up here but to open the season the way they did um you know as we mentioned against Clemson for them to play Notre Dame like they did have a chance to win that game um 
and again to just only be in year two of that program is is uh is very just very impressive to me i'm surprised by missouri um i'm surprised by louisville um i don't know who who are we missing here uh, I'm with you on Missouri. Missouri is probably the most su- pleasant surprise to me. Yeah. Uh, that 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 win over Kansas State was big, and then they bounced really back big. from the loss uh, over against LSU to to beat Kentucky on the road. That was a really good win for them. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz getting done, man. That Mizzou's been been a really good team. Uh, I think Duke for sure, definitely big surprise on the positive side. Uh, Louisville, who we mentioned earlier, I think Louisville. Has been uh been you know like I said the pit loss obviously not great but rough yeah. but but the the six and zero start I think certainly a good one and and that went over Notre Dame was huge for them uh and I'll I'll take one one that you were a higher on in the preseason than I was I would say Oklahoma Oklahoma yeah. being yeah, six and zero right now to me is a really pleasant surprise. I, I did not think they were going to be quite that good. I had them pegged as probably a nine and three type team. And brother, I think they're with the way this schedule sets up the rest of the way I'm looking at it. They could very well be 11 and one at the end of this thing. Yeah. It would take some real bad luck for them to, yeah. to finish around nine and three. And, and I did not peg that at all. So I think, I think Oklahoma has been a really good surprise for sure. Okay. Okay, what about surprising in a less good way? Clemson, for sure, to me. I had Clemson. I think I picked Clemson to go to the playoff in the preseason. I thought Club Nick and Riley, I thought that whole thing was going to be magic from the start. The Duke yeah. loss, obviously, was was a killer to start the year. The overtime loss to Florida State obviously hurt. I mean, they're not a bad team. They're 4-2, and two, but they're not what I thought they were going to be for sure. So the, I think Clemson probably is high on that list for me. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, am I, I, we forgot to say. Do do we feel like Colorado has just kind of landed back in where they should be land? So it's yeah, like, that's not really. I, I, I don't say they're, they're Yeah, I mean, surprising. I right. I would I would say Colorado to me is probably a pleasant surprise in a good way because even yeah. though yeah, you know they they have dropped a couple games here, I did not expect them to be a good team this year because I thought like a lot of people. When they brought in as many players as they brought in in this offseason, I mm-hmm. thought it was going to be very difficult to to get to a bowl. And so we're sitting here. They're four and three at the midpoint. They're going to probably make a bowl game. So I think that's a rousing success in year one for Deion Sanders if they do that. Agreed. Yeah. So I'm not I, trying he, to snub he, them. Now, the the win, the the two and oh start, you know, the wins over TCU, three and oh start, I guess, when you count the Colorado State game. I think people probably got a little over their skis a little bit uh, about what they could be because they still did have some deficiencies, and I think we saw that in some of those games. But yeah, yeah, I think I think overall it's been a pleasant surprise for them. Okay, good. So I want to make sure they're acknowledged. Okay, surprising yeah. in a bad way, Clemson. Who else you got? Uh, I think you know we talked. We saw we spent a lot LSU, of LSU, right? Like yeah, do we, a little do we bit. Have to say LSU, a little bit. Yeah, I, think, I, I, I would I expect still them think have they're two probably going right to end now. up like. Yeah, I feel like they, as, as as we talked about, LSU has a chance to go on a run here and kind of end up right where they should be. I mean, certainly Texas Tech, you and I were both really high on um, for them Tech, to have four losses. At Texas this point Tech, of the year. Texas Tech is definitely one of my more disappointing ones. Although they they have started to get together. Baylor, we just talked about Baylor. I would say Baylor yeah. is one of my most surprised in a bad way because Baylor has been bad in a way that I did not suspect. Yeah. 
Like they have been they're, really they're, bad. They're a bad two and four. Yes. Like they could very easily be one and five. Uh, they have had trouble sustaining any momentum. And, and, yeah. and have they've had trouble having juice coming out of games. They were a team that I pegged as probably an eight and four team. And now I don't even, I wonder if they're even gonna get to a bowl game. Sam, we we missed we missed an obvious one, dude. Which one? Shout out Texas State. Oh yes. Come on. Five and two Texas State. Yeah, we have to I, didn't, shout that. I didn't expect five what are and we two. Doing? Yeah. TJ Kinney. My gosh. TJ Finley. They're cooking over there. TJ Finley with a renaissance over at Texas State, buddy. Um he has been terrific this year. Uh GJ Kinney and Mac Lefwich, who did a terrific job at Incarnate Word, have gotten them mm-hmm. charged up. They just came back. They were down twenty to nine in the fourth quarter against ULM and came back to win twenty one twenty. So just a huge Huge start. They're one game away, one one win away from getting to a bowl game, which they have not. They have not made a bowl. They had the last time they won or were bowl eligible was 2014. They have not won four game more than four games in a season eight straight years since 2014. I think was the last time they won more than four games. They are five and one right now. So mm-hmm. yeah, shout out Texas State uh, for their success earlier so this sorry, season. Texas That's a really good. I didn't mean to snub you. Yeah. yeah. So uh, any other bad surprises for you so far? All right, I, I will. I will share my most regrettable preseason take. Okay, here we go. <laughs> we did lead pipe blocks. Let me go pull up our lead pipe blocks. Did, from the oh, start, go find those. from the yeah, start of the start, start of the season. We oh, did those. No, they were bad. Um, Some of them were, sure bad. They were bad. Dude, I, I I still keep coming back to like <sighs> taking Cam Rising and uh, Tyler Ooh. Buckner in the Heisman draft. It's <laughs> just bothering me every week. Every week, like Cam Rising. I know that's a complicated situation with his injury, but. Uh, man, man, would I love to see that guy play a football game this season. Um, hopefully, hopefully he's improving. Hopefully he's getting closer. Um, but, and Utah, I mean, shoot, man, that's a good football team. (laughs) You take him out of the mix. Most teams would not have the record they've got Mm -hmm. without that guy. I'm just, I, it's a super impressive team. Um, but yeah, I was expecting a lot from Cam Rising and, uh, I, I did, I did pick Tyler Buckner. I did take, uh. McCord and Beck over Bo Nix, which I do regret. <laughs> Just that whole that whole take exercise, um, regrettable for me. What about you? Any, any locks you had that my uh, my most regrettable like to my regrettable take at the start of the season was that TCU was going to win nine regular season games and start six and zero. They are clearly oh, not six and zero. <laughs> they are not. They are not six and zero right not? now. They are yeah. not six and zero, brother. They are. They have lost two games, I believe to this point uh, they, they, they're without their they're without starting quarterback Chandler Morris who's injured for a while Josh they Hoover four and three. they're four, four and three, three right now yeah yes. uh, so they lost that opener to Colorado and that looked bad and then they lost to Iowa State and West Virginia in back to back weeks did. and that was really yeah. bad so so that's my my lead pipe lock that's my preseason regrettable take for sure, uh, your 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 lead pile locks weren't bad. You had Alabama making us all like look like complete fools, which necessarily hasn't happened. But Alabama uh, right now is still leading the SEC West. They're four and zero in the SEC West. So yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not buying Bama stock right now. But no, okay, but going. no, but you had Oklahoma returning to top ten status, which they oh, are good. I did. You did oh, have good. that. You did have that. And you, your all third right. your third one was LSU would not make the college football playoff. And right now, I would say that's probably not going to happen. So. 
Wow. So your your locks wow. were pretty good. Mine were TCU, which I mentioned. I said a Pac-12 team will like the playoff. I'm still feeling really good about that. Yep. And my good. third one was Michigan finally wins a playoff game and reaches the national championship. And I still feel mm, really good about that. I one. think that's so. probably looking pretty pretty solid right now. Yeah. So. Okay. Hey, we're not idiots. We're not total idiots. We are. We're not. We're not bums. We have some intelligence. There is a reason. We say, we, we sometimes say things that do end up happening. That's right. You know? That's right. There is a reason you guys listen to us. There is. So we appreciate you listening to us. Thank you for listening to Until Saturday with Max and Sam. Be sure you subscribe to the Until Saturday feed so you're notified when we publish a podcast and you make sure that you get all those lead pipe lock takes that Max and I do get right from time to time. Also hit that subscribe that button. We obviously take pride in. <laughs> That's right. Know? That's right. Also, also hit the subscribe button on the YouTube channel so you can join us every Thursday for the picks. Saturday night for the reaction show and Sunday for the sound off on those live streams. You guys being a participant in that has been oh so great. And we really appreciate that. Of course, subscribe to the until Saturday newsletter. The link to that is in the show description. So you can get your daily fill of college football news in your inbox. Thanks again for joining us and we will talk to you next week.